This is Melissa Cohn from Family First Funding, welcoming you to the 2019 season launch of my series, Ladies Who Launch, where we will be interviewing women in business who are doing cutting-edge work in their field and talking about the work, the drive, the history that brings them to this moment in time, and all things around entertaining, engaging, educating ourselves, making sure when we walk in any room, we have the tools to be the best we can be on any field in which we choose to play. Let the conversation begin. Hi, it's Christine Mercer from Blue Shoe Strategy. And once again, thanks to Melissa Cohn and Family First Funding for sponsoring this podcast around Ladies Who Launch. And today we're really excited to be talking with Melissa Turkman from, well, where do you say you're even from? There's so many. (laughs) So I've been told I live in Atlanta, Okay, but I travel on a weekly basis to Modern Luxury's 23 markets. So I'm more transient than most. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So Modern Luxury, as many of us know who are listening to this podcast, podcast, Hamptons Magazine, a plethora of magazines in luxury markets. But what got me excited about the work that you're doing is that you are really sort of a outlier, if you will, in terms of bringing direct marketing to the individual who's actually looking for the goods or service at that moment in time. So just take two or three sentences and walk through exactly what this new program is that I'm so excited about, and then we're going to talk about it. Sure. So, you know, over the past couple of years, we've made some acquisitions, some investments to really help us be not just a participant in digital, but be a leader and contender. And we've launched a real estate-specific program called Luxury Listing that allows you to target people who are actively searching for specific real estate over the past seven days. Which, to me, is the most exciting aspect of it because... You know, I often will say to my clients, okay, we take a printout out in Hamptons Magazine, which we're still doing, by the way. We're going to talk about how to do that and augment what you're doing. And so let's say a thousand eyeballs look at that. Okay, how many of those thousand eyeballs are actually looking to buy or sell a home in that moment in time? And for me, that's where, you know, when I can target right in on Facebook or whatever, it is much stronger play for me. So what you've been able to do is to actually find those eyeballs that are, in fact, in that moment in time looking, and then the call to action is, I am the person who's going to help you solve this problem that you're looking to to work out. So it's very, very exciting, and I've seen a lot of other people are doing it, but we've targeted you for our clients (laughs) at Blue Shoe because we think you're doing it really, really well. But let me walk through just the premise of it in an original thing three years ago. Uh, we have a client who does multi-million dollar wedding events, okay? Smallest wedding they do is a million dollars. So we went on Facebook, and we took out an ad on Facebook between Christmas and New Year's, and it was to women between the ages of 30 and 45 who went to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, (laughs) who work at Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, etc., who just changed their status in the last 24 hours from in a relationship to engaged. Okay, so Facebook gets back to us and says that ad is going to cost you $4, and it's going to go in front of seven people. Oh, and we said the geographic markets were New York, Houston, Miami, LA. Okay, so it's going to go in front of seven eyeballs. All right, so the ad was, it wasn't really an ad, it was content-based. Mm-hmm. So basically what we put up there is, here are the three things we think you should do when you get engaged before you do anything else from the great wedding planner X, right? Okay, so of those seven eyeballs that it went in front of, four became clients. 
okay, for $4. Okay. I think we spent seven because I think we ran it twice, but whatever. So you can understand my desire to be able to get to that end user in that moment in time. And this is, so I wanted to give that visual to our listeners about that, but that's what you're doing, but in a much larger way. Now, what's interesting to me is you've set it up so that when when my client's buying this, we have a couple of people launching into it shortly. They're going to have the ability to email three times in a month, right? Right. Correct. Yes. So three seven-day activations either in a month or once a month over 90 days. It's really a plug and play of what makes the most sense for that property. And our client will have the email addresses of those people who actually clicked or responded to. Correct. So they can directly go back to them again and say, heard you were looking, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, why would anybody do anything other than this? (laughs) So it's, I mean, it's a really powerful conduit that we've had a lot of success with, especially in the real estate space of being able to append this, you know, on top of our print publication, which is still our bread and butter, but now being able to lead with the print, but really magnify with the digital, now being able to target this person that's not only in market, actively searching for that property, but a really important piece of the platform is, aside from the seven-day recency of this search, is we all tie it back to data. And that's what everyone, and it's, it is, data is the new currency. It's about who it's going to, how are we certifying these individuals, how are qualifying, bolstering that lead where it's not just me, you know, Melissa Turkman looking for that $10 million property. It's Melissa Turkman with a net worth of X, living in the right geographic parameters, so on and so forth, also in the crescendo of her search. Right. Well, which gets us back to Ladies Who Launch. You know, one of the purposes of this program is to highlight women who are successful in business. And what was interesting to me about your success is you didn't start out in digital. I mean, just walk everybody through a little bit your background, because this is where it's like, why are we getting excited about this and how are we going to make the trajectory into it? Sure. I mean, it's all about in life pivoting, but also making sure that you stay true to what your affinities are and started off in marketing and graphic design. Uh, as I got later into college, really became important to me and understanding that coding digital is really where if you could prognosticate the world is going in terms of advertising, I wanted to get a better grasp and knowledge of to be able to hone that craft. It's an easy sell, right? It is. I mean, the beauty, it's really an Achilles heel almost. The beauty of digital is there's transparency. The hardest part with digital is there's transparency. It's, you know, us were the few and far between in terms of data providers that can offer here the first name, last name, email address, full postal of those people. But as with all data, it's never 100% perfect. Right. You know, there's people that opt in for different reasons, people that are dishonest about their net worth or household income. We have a lot of ways to verify, qualify, and vet those people, but it's never 100%. Right. So you get those people that'll scan through a list and they say, I know this one person <laughs> out of a list of 6,000. That's just data. It's any type of big data player, whether it's Experian, done in Broad Street, Axiom. It's just kind of recalibrating that thought process, rather, while it's great that you can see these people understanding that it's not a perfect science or calculus. Right, at all. Well, it's not perfect, but at the same time, if I know that my dollar value, the average cost to acquire a potential client is $34 per client. Okay, you're bringing that cost down substantially with this type of opportunity Mm -hmm. where I can be in front of so many eyeballs at that moment in time. Okay, this leads us back to print. So I'm asked all the time, I do a lot of public speaking as do you, and I'm asked all the time, is print dead? You know, and in my mind, the mistake that's being made with print is that the cost factor to print has always made an ad in a magazine, you know, let's say it's three to four thousand dollars for a one page ad. And my 
shock and awe, which, you know, again, nothing against your company or anyone else's because you're all doing it, is the cost for a print ad has not gone down exponentially with the inability of it to target directly to a market. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you speak for your company as to why that is? And when are you guys going to get it so that you can up the cost of digital if you want, make it more expensive to do digital, and then make it less expensive to do print, which is not going to be a direct market to me. Print to me is almost vanity advertising. You know, first of all, if you're selling real estate, your client likes to see their house in print. When I talk to real estate brokers, that's what they always say. Well, I know, but my client wants to be in this magazine. You know, okay, I get that. But then bring down that cost. Why are we not, you know, leveraging that out? Well, it really comes down to investment. So investment for digital versus <laughs> the investment of print is very, very different. And we've seen other publications that will compromise the, you know, type of cardstock that they use, the type of printing mechanisms to get that cheaper rate to be able to put those costs down. But we're not going to attenuate who we are, what the publication looks like, and the product just to be able to get, you know, a, a cheaper rate for our, our partners. Digital, especially. Well, well, what's interesting about what you're saying is what you're implying, though, is that the cost of the magazine needs to be covered by the ads within it. Whereas I'm saying the cost of all the advertising for the parent company can be amortized out. And of course, the cost to do a magazine is going to be more expensive than digital. But digital can help cover that cost. By the way, Talk to GE. They don't have the, you know, GE bringing good things to life, although not anymore, I guess. At any rate, they don't look to have every single product they have bring in this, you know, carry itself in the same way. I mean, one cost augments the other. So I just can't help but see that if these changes are not made, then print will be dead. And what's interesting is there's a new trend this year. People want to touch paper Mm -hmm. again. Okay. So for me, make it easier for me to touch paper with my clients and do the digital that I love so much. And then I'm yours forever. We work actually with Victoria at Hamptons Magazine out Mm -hmm. in the Hamptons. Fabulous person. And she and I have debated on the phone many, many a time about, you know, if you don't bring that cost down, I'm not doing it. You know, I'll do your email newsletter. Love that. I love that I can see who opened it. I love that I can see the percentage of opens, all of those things, but I'm not, I'm not doing it. Sure. So I think, you know, in digital, it's harder to be able to recalibrate the cost. And the reason being is that there is a plurality and thousands of different digital vendors out there. Most of them, and the beauty with a modern luxury partnership is you have the brand and support behind it. But a lot of these companies are, you know, a, a person sitting in their basement, but they put the facade of the website out and they're able to sell these extremely and impossible CPMs because they're just generating traffic and clicks. So it's hard to be able to compete and be able to adjust our costs in the digital and get lower and lower or be able to alternatively make that higher to supplement for the printing costs because we need to make sure that when you get with our program, you're paying for real eyeballs. You're paying for real people. You're paying for cleansed data. So it's our ability to make sure that although we're positioning and posturing the value of our product, it still has to be competitive yeah. in comparison okay, to the other yeah. people out there. Well, again, whoever goes first to a new market share in terms of that, in my opinion, will mm-hmm. do best with agencies like mine. You know, that I mean, that's just anything. Okay, now set aside the corporate cap that you're wearing now because you, you <laughs> represent them brilliantly. I'm sure they'll be very happy. Maybe they won't listen this far. Usually <laughs> the way I see it is on podcasts like this, they sort of get in 10 minutes and they're like, okay, she did fine. And then they'll check out. Sure. Okay. But 
personally, what do you think is going to happen to print? I personally and sincerely think this, and I am pegging up this cap here. Okay. Because we're in the luxury market, it, it has not impacted us as much. I think if we're talking about newspaper, if we're talking about other print mediums, yes, they've been impacted because they did not have a strategic, methodical way in terms of how they launched their digital and their print. They made the digital much more appetizing, much more cost effective than their print, and now they're paying the price for that. I think with the luxury... Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I can't let you get away with that. Okay, so <laughs> Vogue magazine, luxury. Sure. Okay, their September issue is down 40% in terms of the number of pages in it. It's all based on ads. How can anybody say, and also the magazines in the Hamptons are down. I mean, come on. We would be blind to not recognize that they're thinner than they were 10 years ago. Sure. Okay, so we can't say that a luxury brand is not affected by the desire for people like me to say, I want to be able to look at data around who's going to be looking at this and what my response is going to be. Sure. And the good thing is we're not Vogue. (laughs) We're not. And that, you know, the beauty of ours, and you could look at the stats and the facts, the numbers is that we're up on our print side. Interesting. Yes. So that's the- Wait, in all markets or in the Hamptons? Are we talking Hamptons now? We're talking Hamptons specific. And and most of our major markets uh, were up this year. And it comes to, again, that we have, Vogue has compromised the- medium in which they're printing. They've compromised other things to cut corners in terms of cost. Really? Do you think that? I didn't know I, that. Yes, I do. So you think they're, the quality of the paper in Vogue is... It is. It's all about you know palpability these days. And if you're going to do print, it's about the quality of the product. How would Anna Wintour let that happen? I can't imagine she would have. Well, I mean, you look at everything from Seventeen Magazine has gone now online. It's looking at the different publications that have sacrificed their product, mm-hmm. their printing, their medium, their cost to get right. a cheaper sale to be able to afford that, exactly what we're talking about. But we have not, you know, we stood our ground and we believe in the product of what we're selling. Yeah. Wait, now, do you do you subscribe to any magazines? Modern Luxury, of course. But aside from that, uh, just different digital publications and whatnot. Huh. So you don't do anything in print other than your own? Correct. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Are you considered a millennial? I am, yes. Uh-huh. Full disclosure. <laughs> okay, no, that's great. And also, one of the things that we should say is, you know, you've received a bunch of awards. You know, you're ability to have increased the market share and increased the revenue for luxury has been tremendous. So congratulations to you you. on that. We love to see women who take off like that, but that's not what you majored in. What did you major in? I did not major in that. No, I majored in marketing graphic design. Exactly. And I, it's funny, we talked about this a little bit before and how do you think that applies to what you're doing now? You know, visual, 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 right? Well, exactly. And I think the the beauty of it is you see a lot of people that it's such a polarization of left brain, right, right brain. Right. But the beauty that I like about this is that I get to have my marketing cap on. I get to think about new products. I get to ideate. I get to think about, you know, productization of how we can continue to build upon our print brand, but now augment and supplement with new digital products to be able to magnify that. But then also, kind of on the left brain matter of it, it's talking now into the numbers of business and sales and revenue and coding and all of that. So it's kind of the perfect confluence of both sides of that. Did you know you were going to do something like this or did you think you were going to be a designer? You know, no one, I think, can prognosticate and look in that crystal ball in their five-year plan, especially when you're in college, you know, it's a one-year pretty much uh, foresight of what you can look at. But I think making the right partnerships, making the right moves and a little... Luck and hard work behind it have been able to right. get Well, good for I you. Am. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about the ads themselves. Mm-hmm. 
okay, the more I'm learning is we know everybody talks about content. Okay, it is still, again, shocking to me, and we're mostly talking to real people in real estate for this particular podcast. Mm-hmm. It is still shocking to me that people in real estate are continuing to put up these pages where it's row after row after row of the houses that they're selling, or maybe not even they're selling, but their company is selling or whatever, row after row, and you turn the page, and there is absolutely no content involved other than this is the house for sale. Mm-hmm. And there's no branding of that individual broker to say, this is who I am, and this is how I differentiate myself, and this is what makes me special, so call me, pick me, choose me, love me, if right. we're going to go to Grey's Anatomy <laughs> anyway. Okay, I can't understand why that transition has not taken place. This is the only industry that hasn't moved toward content more in print. Okay, number one, I'd love to have you address that. But number sure. two, we're going to talk about what kinds of things you think they should be doing, and we're going to sort of go through that. So. Do you think that's shocking as I do? I do, but I also think another industry is guilty of this as well oh, with automotive. One? Really? Yes, I do. I have not looked at a I can't tell you the last <laughs> time I saw a car ad in print. So it's very similar Wait, what, to... What, what, you're not even looking at magazines. Where have you seen a believe, car? Well, they do it actually. They're guilty of it both in print and digital where they have these just huh. absolutely clustered of one car after another. And it's really no core competency that they're highlighting. Really yeah, no, yeah. it's the same deal. Or they're every... thinking that you already know the brand of exactly. the car, and you just want to be re-enlightened by how great you might my, my brand new Prius, which I love, by the way. Um, <laughs> maybe that's the plan, but that certainly would not translate into real estate, though. So, but it's a similar type of template and strategy that they're using. That it's a lack of content, lack of diversifying rather yourself within the market, and really just a lot assuming on assumption that everyone knows who you are. But we can't go by that assumption within. Real Real estate, we can't do it in automotive, where we need to highlight why is this property special? What makes this unique versus the millions of other different luxury properties within the market? Exactly. Within the Hamptons market, especially, it's so congested and so inundated with this luxury buyer that you really need to set yourself apart, that there is a big lapse in terms of it's not just imagery. That's great, but that only gets you so far. Okay. So if you were a real estate broker, what ad would you produce graphically? What would it look like and what would be in it? Sure. And that's a great question. It's really the ability to one, it's called action. So more important to me than the image. And I know that we're always very eccentric <laughs> right, in how we do exactly. this, but what is the lead in? What is the headline? What is the unique thing that's going to make me, the reader, look at this great house, but there's, you can do everything with images these days. There's a little thing called Photoshop. There's things <laughs> to make it look better than it is, but it's really about which, by the way, then creates an unfulfilled expectation. Exactly. And I never want to make it look better than it is. I just yes. want you to be interested to know what else is exactly. in it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's also leading with the headline. And it's the same thing. The, the beauty of what I'm talking about translates into digital, more importantly, is that call to action. Huh. Why are you going to click through? Why are you going to engage? So what's Why your are you call to action? More? You're a broker. What is it? Sure. I mean, it goes through, it, and it depends on the property. It depends on who we're marketing this to and who the target audience is, because it all has to. Okay, align it's a with four million dollar property, not on the water, but south of the highway in the Hamptons, and it's like every other McMansion. It has the same <laughs> shutters, although although now it might be black and white because you know everybody's doing the new thing is you know black and white houses out here, which I don't think is going to last the test of time, but. At any rate, okay, that's the house. What's your call to action? Sure. I mean, is it the deal? Is it the incentive? Is it some kind of, you know, immediacy in terms of buy-in? It's really about what is the most digestible cost. I know we're going to a luxury market here. It's not the similar of, you know, get 50% off that we're talking about in your everyday promotion, but it's still promotions go a long way. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, I, I think I think in real estate at that price point, I think it's less about promotion and more about I like the immediacy. I know that like a lot of staging is being done in new properties sure. now and the staging of you know, what's surprising to me is I've seen a lot of staged properties. We work with a lot of real estate agents and I've seen a lot of staged properties and there's this one staging company whose name shall be nameless at this moment. And they continue to do very art deco, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, they're not antiques, but they're deco pieces from the, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. Sure. And you have to be 100 years to be an antique. But and also it's a word that's no longer cool. So we'll just leave it out of this vocabulary. <laughs> And I think, gosh, the market for this particular look is maybe 10% of the people who are having sure. houses. Why are you positioning this? So I asked him, the owner, why are you bringing in? He said, I love this and we sell it with the house. So his caring is not about positioning the house to be sold amongst 20 other houses right. that look exactly the same. His positioning is I'm selling my furniture. Okay. Again, uh, you know, to me, it's sort of like, okay, we've really got to figure out a way to sort of bring that in you know so sure and it's all curation on the type of property right. but to your point with the hundreds of McMansions you have to find out what makes you different and I think we had talked about this a couple weeks past but we had a unique property that we featured which was a, a bed and breakfast very expensive home okay great and when we were centering the content the call to action we were focusing on that it was a bed and breakfast because we were targeting people that were interested in luxury bed and breakfast homes that they can either continue that you know narrative. So the or, market becomes smaller, but that correct. market is richer. Well, right. Yeah, it's about exactly. the you know the the old saying of not how many, but the who many that you're getting in front of. Oh, I love that. Wait, I have to write that down. Not, <laughs> it's not the how many, but the who many. The who many. Oh my God! Did you make that up? No, I unfortunately can't take credit for that. Do you know who? You, do you know who you can give credit to? <laughs> no, but who was a woman? Let's, uh, let's yeah. pretend that it is. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm all in. I'm all in. Okay, I believe that for the brokers that we're working with, we're doing all kinds of things. Like we're doing virtual open houses, and we're doing Facebook Live open houses. Mm -hmm. One Facebook Live open house we did had two thousand people view it. Okay, what kind of open house are you going to get in the Hamptons where you're going to get 2,000 people to walk through an open house? Right. So open houses are going to be dead to the old market. But again, those brokers are saying, yeah, but my seller wants to know there was an open house. And there's still such old approach from their client, which is twofold. So a real estate broker has two clients. They have the person they're selling to and the person they're selling for. Mm -hmm. So they have to mix and match and, and do both of those. But for me, digital has worked so much better when we've really enhanced it that way. So now, all right, so I've got a client coming in. We're going to be doing something with Victoria for a month. We're going to test market some of this around this particular product. What do you think? What have you seen that's been the best positioning that's gotten the best data results, what kind of call to action has done that? Sure. And again, it's not giving an arbitrary number or answer, rather, I assure you. It's really just centering that core competency around what that particular property is. And that's where so you think them showing a property is better than them showing themselves. Yes, I do. Yeah. And it's really about if we are targeting, it also has to go hand in hand and be seamless with the target audience that we're going after, of course, too. But we want to target, it's the same thing I say, if I'm you know, looking for that little black dress and I'm searching online for that little black dress and then I get that little black dress in my inbox, yeah, I'm going to engage with it. I'm going to open it. It's about relevancy of who we're targeting, but also translating that into the messaging and centering that around the campaign. Right. 
And are you finding that that people will let you advise them on what that message should be? I would say I would give it eighty <laughs> percent yes, twenty percent no. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we try to think. Okay, that's so generous. I don't believe you. I think <laughs> it's probably sixty forty. Totally yeah, that lying. might be a better ratio. <laughs> but no, I mean, there are people that are very stuck in the banalities of yeah. going about what's worked in the past. But you can't really think like that. You need to think about unique properties. You need to curate the messaging, the content, and then too with us. It's retraining the thought with digital in terms of even on the technical side of how you're designing the imagery. How is the content hierarchy? If we're thinking mobile first, which we should, uh, how is that going to present itself on a mobile device versus all of that where it's very different from print where you don't have to worry about spam filters and ISPs and all that fun stuff. It's not as much as does this look pretty, but are you to get in the inbox? Right, exactly. Okay, now the other thing is the thing about your product is you can't sell it to a million people. You know... I can sell as many pages as I want in Hamptons Magazine, but this particular product, you cannot inundate me with 16 brokers. You can't sell what you're selling this data to 16 brokers. So to me, that makes it worth even more. You know, you guys are not overexposing this incredible database that you're putting together. You're not overexposing it by putting too many people in front of it, right? How are you managing that? Correct. Well, the beauty of one in our data management is we have a team of 80 now in-house that every day all they do is look at engagement rates, look at ways to update, vet, and qualify that data. But to your point, no, we can't inundate this database no, because can't. it's going to attenuate success yep. for broker and agent A and broker and Not only that, B. you're going to make me angry. And when I'm angry, that's a very <laughs> – no, it's a bad thing because sure. it means that I – I'm angry at that house. I don't want to see yet another. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And the thing, too, is more going back, you know, consumer facing and back end is that not only is it going to be able to, again, attenuate the person's reception of the brand and, and the product and the listing itself, but also on the technical side is the more unsubscribes you get, the more complaints that you get. That affects our deliverability in our end. So yeah. it really is in no one's favor for us to inundate these individuals. So that's why we have you know, very methodical way in which who we choose we're working with so we're not inundating these individuals. That makes sense. Really good. Really good. All right. Do you think this product's going to go up in price or down? You know, I think we're pricing it competitively right now. Now, Uh, competitively against what? So are you, see, this is where you're coming out of the gate with this brand new product. (laughs) How does one attempt to price it? You know, it should be based on what's the cost of the acquisition of the person on the, of the data person on the other end. You know, but I don't know that it is really. So we look at what the big, you know, advertising vehicles are right now. So we look at Facebook, we look at Google AdWords. Those are number one and number two. And Google AdWords is beginning to supersede, uh, you know, most advertising mediums the most. And the average spend per month within the real estate space is six grand per month for Google AdWords. So when we're pricing this out, we want to be competitive. Well, well, you have to define that. So you're not saying an individual broker. When you say that $6,000 a month, who's the market? Who's the who's the person? You're, who's... Correct. So it's usually the brokerage, not, okay. not per agent, yeah. yes, to clarify. Okay. Yeah, no, it's important because <laughs> yeah. a lot of real estate agents are going to be listening to this going, I don't have $6,000 a month. Sure. You don't need $6,000 a month. Correct. They do not. But that's disseminated across, you know, typically I would say three agents is how they're pricing that out. When we built this program, it's, again, taking, you know, not recreating the wheel. We're still using the ideology of taking this online search, right, this contextual right. behavior, but we're strengthening it with data. And then we're also adding it where we essentially become the one-stop shop where it includes Facebook, it includes email, it includes Twitter, Instagram, it includes native ads online. So it's taking all these things that they might be doing endemically, you know, piecemeal, putting it together in this package that's effective that we know utilizing these 
optimized channels and then being able to push this out more importantly in front of that qualified audience. Well, to say nothing of, it's also their direct email address, which is totally different than Correct. a Google search, which is you have no idea what eyeballs are, have searched for that particular topic. The spray and pray method, yeah, exactly. yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. spray and pray, that's good. Okay, so to me, it should be worth a lot more. Sure. I mean, it's also, again, to make this as a complement with our print vehicle. Yeah, and yeah. that's, we have to continue to think that first. We are not other industries where we are wanting to cannibalize and you, you our print. And you still don't think that's going to hurt you? I feel unequivocally about that. I think this is a compliment to our branding vehicle that is print. Well, Victoria were here. She would say to me, as she said many times, you know, you've got to, that brand has to be seen, you know, that this is not just a call to action of come and look at this property, but it's also a reinforcement of the Saunders brand or the Douglas Elliman brand or Mm -hmm. whichever brand happens to be out there. And I get that if you have those marketing dollars, if you don't have those marketing dollars and you're a, a broker who's also you know, carrying their own load, um, they're going to choose much more carefully and they're going to look at the results early on and see how those fly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is, you know, one of the great products. I'm so excited about this product. We can't wait to get our people involved in it. And also I've been talking with you guys for over a year, you know, debating and arguing and bitching and whatever. (laughs) And so for me, the minute Victoria called and said she had this, you know, and then I looked at the data and I looked at how you're presenting it and I thought, they're not overexposing it. They're not right. doing all the things that are of concern to me around other database entry or what used to be called mailing list. Do you remember mailing list way back when? Yes, I yeah, do. You do not. <laughs> I yeah. do. Okay. What was, the, you know, mailing list used to be really the best direct marketing, but you had to mail to a lot of people to right. get a very small 2 3% result. So this way... And the cost of printing to send to those, you know, mailing lists, I still believe in them. There are still a couple of companies in the country that I use when I need to have a zip code mailing list, what have you around that. So. Sure. And it's typically $10, you know, per mailers is the average going rate for mailing list and distribution. So we've, we've understood that. And for those that we talk about these programs that right. are more of the digital novice, we say essentially... It's the same concept, but now you're getting in front of people actively searching and much more digestible cost exactly. of who you're getting in front right. of. So this is great. So I'm hoping that, you know, you guys will get a lot of calls around this and that, you know, we gave a basic understanding of what the product is and what you're doing. And congratulations, because I've looked at a lot of products. This is my favorite by far. So thanks for talking with me Thank today. you very much. Happy okay. to be here. Okay. Last book you read? I'm currently reading anything Karen Slaughter right now. Really? I'm, yes. I don't even know who that is. Okay, so she's all thrillers, detectives. <gasps> oh, wait, how I, do you spell her? So K-A-R-E-N-S-L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Okay, thriller, huh? Yeah. And she's writing the thriller. Is the protagonist a woman? It is not, I have to say, but it has a very strong ancillary okay. character that's a doctor, self-made, but I really love it. For me, I like to escape from the day-to-day of work focus and kind of it's the only thing that can take me out of just focusing and on. you live in new york city no i actually uh, atlanta oh Atlanta. Yes. oh i thought you were joking when you said there no i <laughs> so i've been told i live in atlanta okay That's so fav- favorite restaurant in atlanta to go to your go-to restaurant you know i would have to say that it is probably phipps tavern and it's because of the customer service. Okay. I'm all about the customer service What's they the, have. Well, I'm all about the food. What are they serving? So I'm a big uh, seafood girl. They have okay. fantastic salmon, halibut, all of that. So, And I'm the pickiest eater you'll ever meet. So. Okay. And last question that we ask everybody is, uh, are you watching any series? Are you binging at all on anything? 
not series, but I did watch recently the Netflix movie, the documentary, Party at the Fire, the best party. Oh, Fire, oh, Fire. yeah, the Fire documentary. The Fire documentary, which I thought was fantastic. In so many ways, in so many not ways. In terms I know, of we could do a whole that. podcast on that. <laughs> I actually reviewed that because there were two. Hulu did a documentary and mm-hmm. so did Netflix. And it happened that they came out at a very similar, you yes. know, close, close proximity in time. But anybody in marketing should be watching. You're, you know, it's so right in line. With, you know, I mean, I learned 25 things in the first 10 minutes. Yes. Fabulous, fabulous. Great. So thanks again. Thank you very we'll much. We'll talk to you soon. 